Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. Well, I hope you had a good week this week and nice and warm. Good air conditioning, pool, whatever, beach. But thanks for coming out today. I know it's uh, after a warm week, sometimes it takes a bit of energy, doesn't it? And uh, I want to share today on, uh, well, you know what I've called it? I've called it five more attributes of a great leader. <laughs> uh, last week was five attributes of a good leader, but I figured let's take it up a notch this week. And um, so the five last week were personal responsibility, self-awareness, consistency, inspirational, and willing to do the tough stuff. And uh, I'll quickly, quickly give you the five this week of what I think are five attributes of a, of a great leader. They hear from God, they're discerning, they manage capacity, they're resilient, and they have faith. And so I want to share on those five things today, and I hope that uh, these are encouraging for you. I felt as we were worshipping that um, the enemy, and I might even speak a little bit about this, but the enemy, even this week or this month, some have felt um, the enemy trying to, in the mind, bring doubts and fear and um, questioning, questioning, that's the word I really get. You're questioning why, why am I doing this or should I be sticking in there? And I want to say absolutely yes, yes. And so if you've been doubting or if you've been wondering, ah, oh, maybe I haven't got what it takes or maybe I'm not good enough or maybe I've failed in leadership before or maybe I've failed in some area of my life in the past, I want to encourage you, you are called and God is with you. And don't listen to doubts. Don't listen to fears. Don't listen to the questioning of the enemy. Um, because he loves to plague us with those little nagging thoughts, doesn't he, of our past failures or our weaknesses. And he highlights all these things to us. We already know them, but he likes to highlight them to us. And so I just feel that's a word of encouragement, maybe for a few here this morning. Don't listen to the enemy. Uh, make sure you stand strong. Let me pray just before I go into this. Lord, we pray this morning that you would speak to us, that you would take us deeper, take us higher. Lord, I pray for your word, your spirit to be upon what we share this morning and this time this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We invite your presence. Come and have your way. Come and speak to our hearts the words that we need to hear. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to start by reading a quote from a great leader. He's an author in America in, in the business world, Jim Rohn. He has a saying about leadership and he says this, the challenge of leadership is to be strong but not rude, be kind but not weak, be bold but not a bully, be thoughtful but not lazy, be humble 
but not timid. Be proud, but not arrogant. Have humour, but without folly. It's an interesting tension leadership sometimes is holding both things in tension and knowing when to launch this way and when to launch this way, when to say something and when not to say something. Um, It's interesting in social media, you'll see people who are extroverts. They'll say everything that comes to their head and just throw it out there on social media. And sometimes they have mass loads of egg on their face because they just shouldn't have said something because it came in their head and they're extroverted. So it just comes out. And um, there's times when you might think to yourself, like me, I just wish I never said that. And um, so that's, I think, one of those tensions about leadership is knowing how to rightly balance the tensions of yes or no, or do I do something or do I not do something? Do I fight against something or do I remain silent? And so it's, it's learning that tension that's really important. And a great place to start is my number one attribute today is hearing from God. Great leaders hear from God. I'm talking about in the whole world, I'm talking secular and Christian, because sometimes we divide that line and we think we have to talk about the Christian world and we have to talk about the the secular world. But actually, I'm just talking about leadership as a whole. Great leaders hear from God. And uh, if, if those great leaders don't give God the credit, well, either they've still heard from Him and they just don't know it yet, or maybe they're following in biblical principles and they still don't know that. But if they're great leaders, I believe they'll actually be acting in kingdom principles. And a lot of the world acts in kingdom principles and they don't know it because God's instituted these things like generosity. It works whether you're a Christian or not. What you sow, you reap works whether you know Jesus or not, but it's a kingdom principle. And so there's many kingdom principles, but hearing from God is, it's the root, it's the backbone of what good leadership is all about. Isaiah 30 21 says this, And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, this is what leadership is about. It's hearing the voice of the Lord behind us or in us, and He's whispering to us so that we're hearing Him and we're not just operating in our natural gifts and our natural talents, but we're actually operating in His heartbeat. This is often a hard thing to do. Many of us will know in our lives, it's very easy just to operate in our own natural instincts and just keep moving and uh, not really even wait and listen. But I believe an attribute of a really, really, really great Christian leader or leader full stop will be they actually stop and listen to the voice of the Lord. They actually take the time to stop what they're doing and maybe even the fast pace, the momentum, but stop and say, Lord, what do you want in this situation? And sometimes the answer is different than what our natural instincts would say. Sometimes it's, it's just go with our gifting and go with what he's showing us. But to stop and listen is so key. There's been times I can remember over the last 10 or 15 years that, that if I hadn't stopped and listened and just heard that little voice behind me, as it says here in Isaiah, um, my ears wouldn't have heard His Word and I would have made some really bad mistakes. Now, I have done that too, where I haven't waited on the Lord and I've just stepped out and then mistakes happen and you just you look back and you wish you stopped and paused and waited a little bit more. But let me read this 
verse again, because I think this is really sets up leadership for us in the right place. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Leadership is hearing that voice which says, this is the way, now walk in it. And once we've heard his voice, we then walk, we run, we go for it in that. But if we don't have that anchor of his voice, often we float around. Where are you, Lord? What's the calling on my life? What am I meant to be doing? What's this? What's that? Are we looking at everyone else comparing ourselves? And so all of a sudden we end up with this kind of um, um, flippy floppy calling on our lives or no purpose or no direction. But when we actually hear his voice, and sometimes it can be really, really hard to hear his voice. I don't know about you, but it's not just an instant thing. Sometimes it takes weeks or even months Maybe you have to ask some other godly people, say, what do you think on this thing? Because, you know, I'm just not hearing anything right now. What do you think? And just ask some good godly people who have good fruit in their lives. And you look at their lives and say, I like what's, what they're bearing in their lives. I wouldn't mind them speaking into my life. I wouldn't mind having a little bit of counsel on that thing. And that's a great way to hear confirmation of what God might be doing in your life. But I do believe God will speak to every person. I'm actually a firm believer in that. Even though it's tough sometimes and there's a thousand ways to hear God's voice, but I actually believe the Father wants to speak personally to you. It word doesn't have to come through someone else. You don't have to wait for a prophetic word. You don't have to wait for a lightning bolt. God the Father wants to have an intimate relationship with you where He converses with you and where He reveals His heart to you. Because... If that weren't the case, then he's going to have preferences. And I don't think there are preferences in the kingdom of heaven because we're a family. And we don't have preferences. It's, it's we look different, we sound different, we've got different gifting. So we have a unique relationship with the Father. But I really want to encourage you today. The Father wants to speak to you. Even in your situation right now, whatever you're going through, He has a word in season for you. He has some confirmation. He has some reinforcements He wants to bring. You know, angels are ministering spirits for you and me, for the saints who believe. He sent angels to minister to us, to, to bring spiritual activity into our lives, maybe to help us hear the voice of the Lord. But there is, there is heaven's resources at your fingertips. Heaven's resources are at your fingertips. So why do we try so hard in the flesh? For so long, we try every technique, every technique, every technique. And yet there's ministering spirits waiting to help us hear the voice of God. And so it's God's desire to give us direction. It's God, and as leaders, and I believe, as I said last week, that John Maxwell's definition of leadership is leadership is influence. Now, everyone in this room has influence of some nature. And so we're all called to be leaders in the kingdom. And we need it now more than ever before. People who will speak up, people who will be righteousness, people who will speak truth, speak, people who will live kingdom lives and have influence and have and flourishing lives that, uh, that influence our world for Jesus' glory. And so we need to be hearing God's voice. Second one, discerning. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9 says this, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. 
Discernment, I think, is one of the most powerful leadership gifts that there is. It's not talked about too much. It's not one that you won't you won't really hear discernment much in non-Christian circles, but it is a powerful, powerful, powerful gift. The Bible actually lifts, lists it as a spiritual gift. But I believe that if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can actually grow in this gift. If we desire spiritual gifts, as Paul tells us to, then actually discernment, if, if you want to go for leadership, you want to be praying in this one, praying in discernment. Because there are, there are key times where discernment will cut through where nothing else will. Where someone will be trying to flatter you, trying to use you for your position or whatever they can get from you. And you'll need discernment to know, okay, they're flattering my flesh, but my spirit is uncomfortable with this. And you'll, you'll have to say, no, sorry, I'm not buying that product. I'm not, I'm not buying into that relationship with you because you just want something from me. And discernment will, in your spirit, it will kick up a notch and it will do something. Now, I've found that, and I'm not, uh, I don't want to bring a divide into the room, but I've found that ladies naturally flow more easily in the gift of discernment. Um, and it's just something that I've uh, perceived over 21 years of being married. Um, but also, many couples that we we meet with, it just seems to be a, a natural thing. Now, doesn't mean it's, uh, any better or worse, but it's just something. There's an instinct in a lady that can tend to go with uh, a, a feeling of, of right or wrong and just sensing. And so that sensory awareness, I suppose you could call it. Now, it's then a good leader who not just senses that, but knows what to do with it. Because there's a lot of people who sense things and they go haywire because I'm feeling uncomfortable, blurt out something and offend 10 people in the room. That's not discernment. That's just feeling something. Discernment will be like Solomon who will put something back onto people to take responsibility, like the, the two mothers who came with the baby and one was the real mother and one was not the real mother. And he said, okay, well, let's split them in half because he knew the heart of the real of, of the real mother would want that baby's life. And so we, we need to be operating in kingdom supernatural discernment. And it doesn't mean anything weird and wonderful. And, and, and we don't have to talk all the time about portals and all this sort of stuff. But actually discernment is such a supernatural gift. If we operate in a kingdom way, sometimes we will just be silent. But we'll just know. We'll just know, okay, I'm not giving this person any more of my time. Okay, I'm not going to say that thing because even though it would give me a whole lot of satisfaction in the flesh, it's not worth it. You know, when you shoot a shotgun, there's, there's hundreds of little pellets that fly out and they shoot off in, in, a, in a radius. Like if I shot from here to that sign, it'd be a radius like five meters or something like that. It just shoots off bullets and you can hit anything. You don't have to be a good shot with a shotgun. And that's what it can be like sometimes when we have operate in a gift of discernment. God shows us something or our spirit discerns something. We've got to be careful not to shotgun everything we're feeling because sometimes it's just for us to pray on. God's showing us something, revealing something that other people aren't seeing. Uh, and it's like, oh, what do I do with that, Lord? Remember that. Ask Him. Ask Him that question. Because if you just shoot off 
sometimes that gift of discernment doesn't then flourish into its influential gift because we've shot it out early. We've, we've shot it out early. So it wasn't the audience. It wasn't the time. It wasn't the place to say those things. But the actual revelation might have been right, but the application was wrong. And so it's really important in this gift of discernment that we hear God's voice and we learn to mature in discerning God's nature. What would you want, Father, in this situation? You love those people. See, often discerning people will be able to discern sin or, you know, people who operate in a high level of discernment. They'll, they'll, they'll operate in a, in a way where they can even feel maybe some ugliness on people's lives. And, and that can be a, a hard gift to operate in because then they see the things that are going on and in the flesh it's like, ugh, I don't like you. But that's not why God's giving the gift of discernment. God gives the gift of discernment for redemption. He gives the gift of discernment to bring about God's nature into the situation, which is hope. I remember some people, I'm, I'm on eggshells here, so just bear with me. But um, I remember over the years, some people who operated, uh, and I would say they did have a level of discernment. They're not here anymore, so it's okay. I can say this stuff, but we love them and bless them. But I learn a lot of what not to do through them. And, um, and so the, the revelation of God, God would give revelation. Spiritual people love the Lord, worshippers, but the application was so shocking. It was spirit revelation, flesh application. And it, you mess the whole thing up when you do that. And I've done it. Because the Spirit gives revelation. If we do a flesh application, then what we do is we completely cancel out the revelation in the first place. And so with the small gift, we're not faithful. Why? Because we want to take our flesh and we want to grind it in. Because we sense some sin or we sense something's not right in the atmosphere. We speak it out, blurt it out like we're the, the better ones. And all of a sudden we've cancelled that revelation that God wanted to bring to a, to a whole situation. And so the redemptive nature of God hasn't been revealed. Just the sin has been revealed. Jesus operated an incredible word of knowledge and revelation, and I'm sure he could have operated in 10 times the amount of accounts uh, than what we read in the Gospels. But, but even that, there was generally a redemptive nature, a redemptive element to his revelation, like the woman at the well, like the woman being stoned. These are people who were in sin, but he had a revelation about what was going in their life, but he didn't say, yeah, you know, that's right. It's, it's the sin. He didn't reveal the sin and make it bigger. He actually brought a redemptive nature. So if we want to operate in a high level of discernment, we want to bring Christ and His hope. There's got to be hope. There's got to be hope, doesn't there? It's like that with prophecies sometimes. I remember hearing some people prophesying. I remember when Japan had the earthquakes and, you know, there was all sorts of bad stuff going and there was leaching from Fukushima, I think it was. The radiation was leaching. And I remember one pastor in Australia, would you believe, um, it's not so popular anymore after saying this, but saying it's a judgment of God on Japan. And I remember thinking, man, I'd want to be sitting at the right hand of God and hear that personally to make that public. Like if that really, if that really is the heart of God, then I want to be... Boy, I want God Himself to come down and say that, actually. I'm not saying God, you know, doesn't do some things that we just don't understand, but there's got to be redemption. The world needs to know there's hope in our revelation. 
prophecy and gifts and all this sort of stuff. There's got to be hope. There's got to be destiny. So in our discernment, we want to be so sharp that actually we can operate at a level where we shut up 90% of the time and we bring some revelation of uh, application of the revelation maybe 10% of the time. It's, it's just one of those things. So spirit-filled that actually we don't need the gratification of man. We don't need the gratification of anyone else. I want to tell you something else about uh, being a great leader. And, you know, we, we try in this. We are, we are only, only early in the journey of becoming great leaders. But I hope one day God puts us in that category. But one thing about discernment is it's a double-edged sword. And sometimes you'll have to say no to people and no to things that are going to hurt other people because it's right by God. Jesus offended his own disciples. I was only reading it again this week and I'm like, man, he was rude. He was so sharp at times to to the ones he loved. But sometimes discernment is a double-edged sword and we have to say no to other people because maybe they're pulling on us or maybe they're trying to get you to carry a burden that's theirs, it's not yours. They're trying to get you in their pity party. Hey, that's not mine. I'm sorry. You can have it, but I'm not having it. And so discernment will say, I love you, but I'm not joining you in that. Discernment will say, I'm sorry, I I can't do that. I'm burnt out. I can't go to that thing with you uh, again. I know there's obligation attached to it and you're going to be disappointed if I can't go, but I just can't do it physically. I need to listen to my body. And so discernment will oftentimes uh, be disobedient to man to be obedient to God. And it's one of those things that if we listen to it, it will help us be great leaders because we'll know where our energy is meant to be utilised at various times. And we won't be expelling all that energy. I read in one of the, a secular leadership thing that one of the fastest ways to burn out is to try to please everyone. Trying to please everyone, do everything for everyone. And if you're a people pleaser, please hear me on this. You're probably the most beautiful person in the room because you want to please everyone. You're so nice. You're nicer than Jesus. But it's so, it's so energy consuming. It's so energy consuming. It's like, oh, I have to please that person. Oh, no, I didn't get it right with them. So now I'm anxious because I didn't get it right with them. And next time I see them, I'm going to have to make it right with them because I want them to like me. And if they don't like me, I've got to consume more energy trying to make them like me. Discernment will say, oh, that is way too tiring. Start looking after yourself. Yourself. It's not selfish. It's actually godly because if we love others the way we love ourselves, then if we treat ourselves really, really well, we're going to treat others really, really well. And if we respect ourselves and we have discernment on ourselves of what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing, then actually we're going to be respecting ourselves really well. We're going to be full of life and energy and authority over our own situation, our own mind, our own spirit. And then we can actually love other people better. We can be clearer. We can be truthful. There's nothing like having discernment and operating in it in a way that frees you from the obligation of other people. So please, let me me encourage you to do that, which actually helps with the next one. The next one I've got is managing capacity. This might sound like a really strange one to some of you, but I believe in leadership, this is a really important thing because, you know, some of the great leaders of the world that we might think about, be it business leaders in particular, Some of those guys, you know, Richard Branson and and guys like that, I mean, they have a lot of fun in their lives. How does he get time to make spaceships and things like that? Ever thought about that? But he he goes hiking on mountains and cycling. In fact, I've never seen him at his desk. 
but great leaders know how to manage their capacity. And so what might look like they're just having fun and not doing anything, they're probably making a whole lot of money in the process because it's marketing, it's branding, it's all that sort of stuff for him. But for other people, it's managing, what am I going to get the best out of my time in this situation? Or should I just give this five minutes? Because sometimes a five-minute conversation can achieve as much as a 50-minute conversation, but it doesn't tire you out. And so actually, and at, 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 in business, you know, we, we used to have what's called toolbox meetings. I know some of you who maybe work in a factory, you don't like this term, toolbox meetings, because they're boring and monotonous. But we made them 10 minutes maximum. Toolbox meetings, it means everyone, you know, sort of brings their toolbox and stands in a circle and 10-minute meeting each day for a toolbox meeting. And that was as opposed to going out to the smoko area, everyone getting a seat, lighting up a smoke, getting relaxed, chilled. Now we're going to have a production team meeting. So there's, you know, 100 guys sitting out. They're all in relaxed mode, waiting for someone. And then someone comes and gives a big spiel. Then it takes them 10 minutes back to drudge back to their stations. And before you know it, you've spent 45 minutes of lost production. And so, uh, but we can do this sometimes. And this is, this is the way life happens. Instead of a 10-minute focused meeting where everyone knows the purpose, they're all standing up and someone's, you know, sharing some stuff for the day or giving directives. And it's actually so much more efficient. And sometimes we need to give ourselves permission to have a toolbox meeting with people rather than a whole big long conversation. Because sometimes we feel like we're obliged to give an hour or two hours or, or do this or do that, but we're doing it out of obligation. We're not doing it out of discernment. We're not doing it out of truth. Truth would say, how much time should I give to this situation? Good leadership knows how to give good amounts of time and lesser amounts of time. And that's what you see great leaders do. And uh, I think this is one that we can help ourselves a lot in our time usage. So it's, it's being more effective with less energy. And believe me, I've tried this for the last 10 or 15 years and it really works. I remember people coming into the factory when we were really exploding in growth and... Um, and it was at a time where there was kind of, you know, 30 balls in the air at, at one time. I mean, it was just, we were hiring hundreds of staff. We were taking on major projects uh, around Australia. And there was quality certifications to get. And there was health and safety checks. And I remember one day it was mayhem and the union, bless their hearts, Jesus. They were out the front. There's still a bit of forgiveness coming on here. They were standing out, you know, with flags and barbecues right just outside my land. And I'm, I'm just staring at them going, what, these wallies, you know. I think I said some other words as well. But, you know, it's, it's days like that. And I remember someone coming in. It was a, a sales rep of one of the resin suppliers. And he said, how on earth do you manage all this stuff, all these balls in the air? And I realised at that time I'd got very good at compartmentalising what is important and what isn't important. And those unimportant things, people thought I was just rude, but they would come in saying, oh no, the machine's broken down. I'm just like, who cares? Production guy will fix that. Uh, or something else would happen. I'd just be, I'm not letting that into my headspace. It's not as important as everyone's making it sound because from the helicopter, I don't need to know about that. Now, if there's a death or if there's a real drama or something in my field, of course I have to know about it. But compartmentalising what you should spend energy on and what you shouldn't spend energy on is one of the greatest practical keys of being a great leader or not. Because it will thrust you into those priorities, those priority areas that you should put your energy onto. 
One thing for Karen and I in the last few years, we've obviously been really cognizant of, of our health and wellness. And we've realised, uh, once you get over 40, as I am, um, that you actually have to put some real energy into this thing. Um, it doesn't just sort of happen. I don't know if any of you have noticed that, unless you're Brian Nelson, he seems to keep just a slim trim. Eric Gent, some of these guys have got supernatural, you know, fat burning genes or something. But I haven't got that. And so, um, you know, in, in my family, it tends to come around the, the tummy area. And um, it's just one of those things, I'm just being honest. And I've noticed that 40 plus, it takes more to burn that energy, more to burn that fat off. And, and so for the last couple of years, we've been going for it. And, um, but I tell you, it doesn't just happen. You have to prioritize it. You have to prioritize. If you want to be healthy, you're going to have to prioritize it. It's not going to fall in your lap. It's not just, just from reading a, a health and wellness magazine. Oh, I feel healthy. I'm detoxed. Ever done that? Read a, a muscle magazine and you just think, oh, I'm buff now, you know? Oh, I do that. A running magazine, yeah. I mean, it stirs you up, but it does nothing for you. But it gives you motivation, doesn't it? If you want to be healthy, you're going to have to prioritise it. If you want your spirit strong, you're going to have to prioritise spirit time. If you want your mind strong, you're going to have to focus on what keeps a healthy mind. Now, this is a big issue in today's environment. It doesn't matter where you are in life, in the education sector, in business, in life, in social clubs, in footy clubs, in, in church life, in family life, mental illness is climbing to the top of the priorities of the Western world and, and in the developing world, but they've got so many other issues as well that, that it's, it's in, in the range. Mental illness. I'm telling you, if we as believers can get really good at helping mental illness and bringing kingdom solutions to people with mental illness, including ourselves, then I'm telling you, we're going to become an influential flock because the world doesn't have answers. There's only so many pills you can pop. And if you need them, you take them. Absolutely. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is there's got to be kingdom solutions that maybe one of you is going to discover. Maybe one of you who's suffered mental illness is going to fast track a, a, a kingdom idea, something that you will tap into that other people need. All of a sudden, you become an influencer. Because I'm telling you, if you can do that, you'll become a very, very wealthy person. Because it's, it's a huge issue. And right now, the world doesn't have a solution for it. But Jesus does. Jesus has a solution for it. One of the things that, as, as Karen and I are discovering more and more about looking after spirit, soul and body, is it's just being good stewards of what God's given us. And if we prioritise those things, even things like mental illness, God brings solutions to. He brings solutions to. And so... I won't harp on that anymore other than to say that managing our capacity makes us so much more productive. And if we can learn to say no to things that we're not meant to be doing and yes to those priority things that He's given us in our life, man, you watch things launch, I'm telling you. Do this for the next month in your life. Write out all the things you do, cross off the things you just shouldn't be doing and put ticks next to or big circles around the things that you actually should be doing and write a few others that may be a priorities that you should be focusing in your life, your whole life will change. Everything will change. 
because certain things will become a priority that never been a priority before. And you'll realize, why haven't I done this for the last decade? And it will begin to be fruitful for you because it's who you are. Here's one more thing on that. It's an it's American saying, don't sweat the small stuff. So often we can have little issues in our life that the enemy wants to throw at us and make bigger than they actually are. They're not that big. Put them in their place. Realize that, yeah, I'll deal with that when I have to, or I'll let someone else deal with that. Um, you know, I try not to deal with anything that I don't have to deal with. Alicia knows that. Karen knows that. Jenny knows that. Anyone who works around me knows that I flick an email straight off my plate as quickly as I can. If it's not my gifting and I'm not called to do it, I'm not touching it because I don't need my energy consumed on that. Unless it's lawn mowing or, you know, some catching snakes or, you know, foxes or riding dirt bikes and things. But they're priorities for me because they're stress relieving, okay? But filter through those things that you're, you're spending energy on. Don't sweat that small stuff. Palm it off. Palm it off. Get rid of it. You know, I'm sure there's things that you can do right now that is going to help your week if you just get rid of it. Just get rid of it off your mind, off your plate. It's all of a sudden that stress, oh my gosh, what was I even stressing about? What was I even worried about? Ever been nervous, uh, anxious about something for weeks? And then it finally happens or it just doesn't happen. And you're like, what did I consume all that nervous energy for? Prioritize those things and manage capacity. 2 Samuel twenty two thirty seven on this point says, You enlarge my steps under me and my feet have not slipped. I believe this is an encouragement to us that God will give us bigger places, bigger influences, if we will manage what He gives us really, really well. Fourth thing, resilience. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore put on every piece of God's armour, so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. This is an English standard version. The reason I picked this one is because as God promotes you into higher levels of, of leadership and as He gives you people to be responsible for, you're going to need resilience because you know what? People are not always going to like you. Should I, Russ? <laughs> okay. We're, we're family, so, so we'll, we'll explain some things. I remember sitting, there wasn't these chairs, but I remember sitting on the coloured chairs we used to have at the front here. Karen and I were sitting here one lonely night when we had a vote of should we be the pastors of this church or not. Karen's going, what the hell are you doing right now? <laughs> Discernment tells me that. Um, anyway, so I'm, we're, we're sitting there and we're happy. We're like, yeah, God's called us. To, we knew God called us to pastor the church. We, we just knew it. So it didn't really matter what anyone else said. We were that confident. We were just like, yeah, this should be a, a lay down mazer. I don't even know what that means, but my dad used to say it all the time. I'm sure one of you can fill me in after the service. But anyway, so it was just going to be a done, done deal. And so we're, we're sitting there and sure enough, the vote happens. We didn't, we got voted out. And I'm thinking, well, what the heck was that? We know we heard God's voice. We know, we know what he told us. Uh, obviously, everyone else wasn't listening. And uh, no, uh, those of you who are still here voted us in, praise God. <laughs> but 
Interestingly enough, sometimes when God calls you, that's when opposition happens. First thing you normally face is a bit of opposition. Someone will say, I don't like the way you lead. You're a bit mean. You're a bit tough. You're, you, you know, there's, there's always this, you're a bit strong for me. That's what leaders are. They're called to be strong, but some people don't like that. And so you, you'll offend people, and you'll offend people by not even doing anything, just for being something. And so you're going to need this thing called resilience. And I know a lot of you have faced this at various times in your life, and you've been resilient. That's why you're still here. But it's one of those interesting things that sometimes you have to get back up after being absolutely punched square in the face. And it will feel like it. It will absolutely feel like it. There's times when you'll feel like you've taken a few good punches. But resilience will help you get back up again. And the call of God will help you get back up again. No one ever told me in life or ministry that I would need to use the armour of God to protect me from fellow believers. I mean, here we are thinking we need these things because there's the dark, demonic people out there who are going to do things to us and they believe ungodly things. And here we are in the church, we slaughter each other. Isn't it interesting? And we give all sorts of names to it, why this happened, why that happened. But we're going to need miraculous amounts of resilience if we're going to stand the test. Because people are people. And I'm telling you, it's something Karen and I have just been revealed to each other more and more in the last couple of weeks, that we are a fallen people without the grace of God. We, we are horrible at times. There's other words for it, but we are horrible at times to each other out of just stupidity and sin. And we need the grace of God to pick us back up again, to get over ourselves. Do you know another thing? I never knew that I would need the armour of God to protect myself from myself. <laughs> like go through the list of the armour of God. You're going to need truth because sometimes yourself will speak stupid things to yourself and you're going to need truth to say to that stupid side of you, shut up. I actually need to believe some truth now. And you're going to need righteousness because your sin nature, which I know... We'd love a theology that says, I don't have any sin nature anymore, but I want some counselling with you if that's the case, because I still have a sin nature that I have to put down all the time. And I have to put righteousness on it. I have to put the shield on that thing. And in fact, the whole armour, just, just stab it as well. You know what I mean? Because we have to fight against these things. And sometimes the biggest fight is an internal fight. An internal fight. And if we can be conquerors, conquerors and resilient and stand the test, then we can actually see that we can have greater influence. Last thing, faith, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When you are a leader, you're going to see things the way they're going to be, not the way they are. We've bought a a farm property, a bit of a rundown-ish house. We can already see it completely finished and, and you know, with amazing things flourishing in it because leaders always look to what the final outcome will be. It's, it's what we do in all areas of our life. We always look and go, wow, that's what it's going to be like. And so it's like a fish hook that's always pulling you toward the vision. It's always pulling you toward the bigger, the better, the greater. And so if you're in a situation in your life where you're not sure what's ahead, then start back where I started. Hear from God. 
hear from God, what does it look like in five years? I actually think it's better, it's easier for me to ask in, in years rather than months. My impatient side of me, I'm sounding like a schizophrenic person this morning, aren't I? But it's just the way my brain works. My impatient side always wants things in months. But my spirit side generally says it's probably going to be years. And then over years, God begins to speak and He unravels mysteries. He unravels truth. He unravels righteousness. He unravels a vision and a plan for your life where you can actually go, wow, I can do that. Months I couldn't do, stresses me out. Years I can do that. I can actually build health. I can build in myself something that's actually, you know, got purpose and strength and build something that He's showing me in years. And so it's a real key that you have faith rooted and grounded in God's Word for your life. And it's something you can always go back to. So when those battles come, faith will be the thing that keeps you through being resilient. Even when those trials come, when people are coming against you, when things are stirring up, you can go back to that faith anchor that holds you resilient, that gives you good capacity, that lets you hear from God and gives you discernment. Faith will help you with all those things. Now, faith is, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. As a great leader, you're going to see things that others will not see. That's why you're going to need resilience, because others will question it. And they'll go, really? Really? Is that, is, that, is that right? But then you go back to the voice of the Lord. Then you go back to some maybe some confirmation in your life, some counsel, and you know, wow, that's the word of the Lord for my life. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go with it. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to listen to the enemy. I'm not going to listen to myself. I'm not going to listen to my failures. I'm going to stand in the Word of God, which says it's going to be done. And so for many of us, I want to encourage you today to rise up again in faith. Rise up again in faith. Even if you've been struggling in the mind, if you've been struggling with faith, if you've been struggling with failures of your past, don't be limited by any of those things because do you know what? God isn't. He's not limited by any of those things. He can use a donkey if he needs to. I always fall back on that because I figure I'm not that bad. <laughs> and if he can do that, he can use you. He can use you in all your brokenness, all your doubts, all your fears, all of that stuff. He wants to bring it to a great fruition of a supernatural release over your life. It looks like you. It sounds like you. It doesn't have to look like anyone else. So let's stand today and I want to ask the Lord to, yeah, thank you. Actually, can the worship team come up as well? Just lift your hands. And what I want to do is, is pray this morning a prayer of leadership over us, but it's really a prayer of hearing the voice of God. Because I think that's often the times where we just fall back and we need to hear His voice for our life. So Lord, we ask today that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray for some who maybe are doubting themselves, doubting abilities, looking at their past, looking at failures. Lord, I pray today you would speak to them with clarity. Speak to them with the purposes of heaven, the purposes of your life over them. Jesus, that you would wash away any doubts or fears. You'd wash away disappointments. You'd wash away failures and letdowns and even offences and times where people have stood against us. But today we just lay it at the foot of the cross. And Lord, we take up a new mantle.
We take up a new calling. We take up a new priority of You. Heaven's priorities over our lives. We lay down the small stuff, the stuff that just does not matter. For some of you, a lot of anxiety is going to go by doing that very practical thing. Get rid of the little stuff. You don't need it. You're not the Messiah. You cannot solve their problems. You cannot solve everyone else's problems. You're not even called to it. You're running in the wrong lane. As soon as you get in the right lane, prioritise yourself, your health, your mind, your life. You'll love yourself and then you'll love other people and other people are going to love you for it. So Lord, we just ask for kingdom presence today, for your royalty to fill our hearts today. Your royalty, the royalty of heaven, sonship, a spirit of sonship that cries, Abba, Father, that knows we're sons and daughters of the living God, sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no other. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Jesus.